What's going on, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Bear Performance Podcast. I am your host, Nick Bear, owner of Bear Performance Nutrition, and we are officially 11 days out from the first marathon of the season, the Austin, Texas Marathon. This will be my third time running the Austin Marathon, and as many of you guys know that have been following my journey, my process, I am attempting to qualify for the Boston Marathon this year that is a sub three hour marathon and it's roughly a 650 minute per mile pace uh, the entire way through to achieve that goal now in today's episode we're going to be talking about uh, some of my training previously throughout this this prep uh, my taper that I am currently in right now and some things that I experienced during this prep now this is different from anything else I've done in the past you know, when I trained for my last two marathons, and let's talk about that quick. My last two marathons I trained for, uh, my first one ever was in 2017. And it's funny looking back because this was shortly after getting out of the military. And the day I got out of the military, I said, I will never run a day in my life again. I said, my running days are over. And that changed very quickly. And a few months after, I was, you know, I was running the Austin Marathon, 26.2 miles. Now, when I trained for that first marathon, I really did not follow a plan. In the beginning, I had a plan established that I that I was going to follow, and I ended up just going and running for you know four to five days a week, and I would just run a few miles here, and I was, if I was feeling better, I'd run a few more miles. I didn't follow a plan, and looking back, it was like one of the most foolish things I've ever done. However, my first marathon, I ended up running a sub four-hour marathon. I believe my time was like three hours, 57 minutes. This was in 2017. In 2000, no, 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 I'm sorry. That was 2018. 2018. That was my first marathon. 2019, last year was my second marathon ever. I had a coach. However, during this marathon, I was sitting heavier weight-wise than I was in the first and when I look back at pictures of last year's marathon, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a completely different person. Like I weighed probably 225 pounds. I was very thick. I was still weightlifting the entire way through. And I just didn't look comfortable running. Like looking back at that, I'm like, how did I, how did I do that? And, you know, because I, for one, wasn't trained properly in my first, I trained properly in my second. However, I was sitting very heavy. Uh, I didn't have good races. You know, I didn't have good races at all. Um, the first half marathon in those two years went very well. And the the second part of that marathon, both years, went horrible. Uh, I hit my walls at around mile 16. I cramped up very, very badly. And, you know, I, I wasn't experienced in, in endurance training at that point. And I really had no clue what I was doing. I was just getting my feet wet. And I think this is, you know... What happens to a lot of people when they when they dip their toes in the water of endurance training, especially from transitioning from some sort of resistance training, strength training, bodybuilding style training? Um, it's it's a big change, it's a big shock. And for one, I didn't want to lose the weight these first two years. I didn't want to lose my muscle that I worked so hard to achieve over the past decade. Um, so I was fighting the temptation to not lose weight, not lose size, not lose strength. But it ultimately destroyed my marathon times. 
And that second year of that marathon, last year, I actually did worse than my first. I ran about a four, I believe, 4.15, four hours, 15 minutes. Now, after that marathon, uh, I started taking endurance training more serious. And that's when um, I did some long ruck marches. I signed up for my first Ironman triathlon, and I completed that, that as, as you guys know, and been following the process and journey. And through that, learned so much about endurance training. Lost a lot of weight, and I dropped 30 pounds. Uh, became leaner, more efficient, more comfortable. Moving into the Austin Marathon 2020, which will be my third marathon, um, and, and trying to achieve a goal of sub three hours. Now, my marathon as part of my Ironman triathlon in November, my time was four hours and four minutes, but that was after completing a 2.4-mile swim and a 112-mile bike ride. And even after the Ironman, my training changed so much. And I would say, I'd have to say, honestly, that throughout this marathon prep with my coach, who is Legacy Endurance, and he put together a custom training program for me specifically from where I was starting to to the goal that I wanted to accomplish, sub three hours, I learned more about endurance training in these past couple weeks, months, than I ever have combined in my entire life. And it's been, it's been eye-opening. You know, you, you come from a, a space or spot where in fitness you think you think you experienced a lot of it and most of it and, and you thought, you know, you, you had those bases covered. And then you try something new, you put yourself out there, you humble yourself completely and honestly, and you learn a shit ton about what you didn't know. And that's my favorite part about it. It's so my favorite part about fitness is continuously improving my education through experience and in, in studying how performance can be improved, changed, and how body composition, training, nutrition supports or affects those goals you're aiming towards. Man, that's the best part. That's what I enjoy. That's what I love. And that's what this, this marathon prep has taught me. Now, as opposed to the last two years, my last two marathons, you know, I'm 30 pounds later. I've increased mileage through training so much. And, and we'll talk about that. And this week is my first week in the taper. Now, some of the things that my, my coach changed throughout these past couple days, I've been weight training throughout this entire, I train, I weight trained throughout the entire Ironman preparation. I weight trained resistance training, not lower body, but upper body during this marathon prep, like three to four days a week. It would be a, a split that was between chest, back, shoulders, arms, no lower body resistance training because I'm running six days a week where I was up until the taper. And mileage is between 55 and 70 miles roughly per week. Now, last week, being three weeks out, my coach eliminated all weight training. So at this point, I'm not doing any weight training. And that was, you know, three weeks out. Two weeks out, which started this past Monday, was the taper began. Now, like I said, I was running six days a week. And I'll go over my, my taper schedule. Uh, so this week, being two weeks out, Monday, start of the taper, was an off day from training. Tuesday, which was yesterday, an eight-mile easy run, which I will have to say was one of the most comfortable runs I've ever done in my life. 
eight miles. I ran a 6.59 minute per mile pace. Um, my Garmin was off. My Garmin said my heart rate, average heart rate was 124, which is very, very low. I'm sure it was around 140, 150. My heart rate was, was low compared to my, my pace. But at, at eight miles yesterday, it just felt good. It just felt solid. Um, today, Wednesday, is a full rest day. Tomorrow, Thursday, is a free run for 60 minutes. So one hour free run. Bulk of the run should be a nice, relaxed pace. Friday is a full rest day. Saturday is a one-hour progression run. So 60 minutes, start at an easy pace and slowly increase where the last 15 minutes are at a tempo pace. And Sunday is a two-hour long run. Um, and that is two weeks out. Now, next week, the week going into the marathon, the last week of prep, Monday is a taper run plus 200-meter sprints. So it is four miles at a super chill effort and then six times 200 meters at 90% effort. That's Monday. Tuesday is the same exact thing as Monday. Wednesday, full rest day. Thursday, a 5K super chill effort. Friday, full rest day. Saturday, shakeout run for 15 minutes. And then Sunday is race day. And that is the week leading into the marathon. Now, I've tapered for like my Ironman, and I know what my body does during a taper, how it feels, uh, and how it leads me into race day. It makes the biggest difference. Like going, going from where, you know, four weeks out, three and four weeks out, my, my, my training was at a peak, and I was feeling it. I was feeling it. Um, you know, I was fatigued. I was pretty tired. Legs were hurting. Joints were hurting, um, just like the, the pounding effort of, of reaching that peak of training. And now going to the taper, everything's really starting to feel good. And I know how my body reacts during these tapers and how I need to change my nutrition and recovery plan because when you get to race day, man, you're feeling fresh. It's like you got brand new legs. It's the best way to describe it. But like three, four weeks out, your legs feel like, you know, used and abused pieces of shit. But you use that taper right. That taper leads you into race day. And man, it's, it's like I said, it's a fresh new pair of legs. It's the best way to describe it. So we're in the taper right now. And um, it feels weird. It feels weird that I'm running. Like this week we're running one, two, three, four, four days a week as opposed to six. But just those two additional rest days, physically and mentally, it feels really good. You know, it it's the best way to describe it. Like I feel like I'm... I'm allowing my body to recover and rest before this marathon. And I've taken recovery super important uh, throughout this prep. I needed to. Coming off of Ironman, um, Ironman Florida, Panama City, Florida, November 2nd, I had some IT band issues. Um, I had some issues with, with my knees, and, and I was hurting. So I took like two weeks of rest and recovery before jumping into this marathon preparation but I had to stay on top of my recovery plan. I, I had to. There was no option. Um, the one thing I was afraid about during this this train up because mileage was high and it was very intense. And it wasn't like Ironman where I'm, I'm going from swim and cycling, which is low impact, to running, which is high impact. No, this is all you know, feet on the pavement, high impact training. So the ice bath that I made at home 
and I made an ice bath out of a deep chest freezer. That has been game changing for me. I have loved that. I do I do three minutes and I set my ice bath around 34, between 34 and 37 degrees. And I get there in there at three minutes at a time. So like this morning, uh, I hopped in there for, for three minutes. After long runs, I'll hop in there. Um, and I try to do the ice bath, if possible, every day, um, but at least five days a week. I've been using compression boots for 20 minutes at least once a day. Uh, I've been using these things called free sleeves that this company, Free Sleeve, sent us over to us. You throw them in your freezer, and it's like a gel. Because previously, I'll be honest, when I would ice my knees or my ankles or something, I was using bags of frozen peas or carrots or corn. And this company, Free Sleeve, sent me these things. They're gel inserts you put in the freezer. And then when you're ready to use them, you throw them. It's like a knee sleeve. You throw it up over your feet, up to your knees, and they're, they're cold for you know, 15, 20 minutes, and you throw them back in the freezer. So I've been doing those at night and a lot of foam rolling. I've been using the Theragun and um, getting you know plenty of sleep. But because my recovery plan has been so dialed in and I have found what works and what I need to keep using, I have fortunately been able to stay healthy. Uh, I've had, you know, if anything, the only issue I've had with with my legs has been uh, IT band, tight IT band issues. But I find if I roll that up, that ro- roll that out enough, um, it kind of disappears, and I I feel 100%. But I can't emphasize, you know, how important this recovery plan has been every day, implementing it every single day of training um, for a successful prep. Thus far, you know, I'll find out uh, how successful it was on February 16th on race day um, if I qualify for Boston, you know, if I run that sub three hour marathon. But while we're on that topic, let's talk contingency plans. You know, Austin is a hilly course. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to run that balls to the walls. I'm going to get everything I got. Like, I'm going to run that like it's my, my last race I've ever ran. And. I'm going to give 125,000% effort, if you will. You know, I'm going to go hard. And uh, I'm, already, I'm already building this plan, which we'll talk about for race day. But in the event that I don't qualify for Boston at the Austin Marathon, because it is a hilly course, it's a difficult course to run, uh, I will find a course anywhere from, from 30 to 60 days after to race again and assess. And I'm going to keep running these marathons until I qualify for Boston. That's the thing. This is a this is a goal that I set myself up for and that I'm determined to accomplish. And I'm going to do it. And no matter how long it takes, I'm going to qualify for this Boston marathon with a, a sub three-hour time. You know, I owe it to myself. I owe it to the people that have been following this journey, this process, to show that, you know, as many people are doubting it, that's a crazy thing. As, many, as soon as I announced that I was going to train for this marathon to qualify for Boston, it has been uh, highly engaged with and responded to with negative comments saying, you'll never do it. You will never qualify for Boston. I'm here to tell you, watch me. Just wait. I'm not saying I'm going to do it at Austin, 
but I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to do it. So going into, you know, these next 11 days, it, it's crunch time. The work has been done. Now it's preparing for a successful race day. And that is taking this taper very serious. And then race day nutrition has to be on point. Um, one thing I have, you know, and I learned this through Ironman prep, the importance of electrolytes and how I use and supplement with electrolytes every single day. Um, and that's something I previously didn't do years you know, before 2019 and in my last two marathons. And it's funny because I, I talked about this and I was so stupid. Last year in 2019, I, uh, I, I bought a gallon of water the day before the race. And I was like, man, I must get hydrated. I'm going to chug. I'm going to drink this gallon of water before. I probably had like a gallon and a half, maybe two gallons that day. And I was just pissing constantly. But the thing that I didn't do, I look back and I want to slap myself for I didn't supplement with electrolytes. So I was drinking all this water, but I was flushing my body with all the electrolytes it had in it, which is why I was cramping up so much in this last race, in the last Austin Marathon. Um, and I, I, you know, I learned from these mistakes. I learned from these failures. And I implement these changes, these systems, to improve and get better. And electrolyte supplementation has been something I've taken very serious this past year, and I've done on a daily basis. So my nutrition plan, let's talk uh, like two to three days out from the marathon. I'm going to increase carbohydrate intake uh, by, you know, average, and I've talked about this in a YouTube video, daily I'm probably consuming 200 to 250 grams of carbs. Uh, I eat more dietary fat and protein than a higher fat as opposed to a higher carb diet. Um, so I'll increase carbs two to three days out to about 400, 450 in carbs that my body I know can easily digest. Those being like white rice, um, bananas, maybe some pancakes, pasta, stuff like that. It's not, not carb sources that are very high in fiber or very dense, but carbs that I know my body digests very easily. You don't want to do anything like right before race day or on race day that you've never experimented with. And, you know, I can tell you I've failed at this before too. My first marathon, I didn't train with or experiment with any gels. And I got to race day and I started using gels on the course. And I was constantly searching for a bathroom because I had to shit myself on the course. So, like, don't use things that you haven't experimented with before race day. So going into that, I know what electrolyte supplements I'm going to use, what carb sources my body digests very well. And I'm going to consume about a gallon of water each day with added electrolytes into that water. So I'll fill up a gallon of water. I'll probably put two electrolyte tabs in there, two or three, uh, anywhere from like 700 to 1,000 milligrams of sodium. And I'll sip on those all day. And then on race day itself, I'm going to pretty, pretty much mimic my nutrition plan from Ironman Florida. I'm going to wake up about three hours prior, and I'm going to have about 90 grams of carbs from oatmeal, banana, and honey. I'm going to have my strong greens, my strong reds, and I'm going to start sipping coffee so that I can go to the bathroom before the race. And if you've ever done a race before, you know 
you want to go to the bathroom before this race starts. That's the goal. And then I'll sip on um, an electrolyte drink that has anywhere from 500 to 700 milligrams of sodium to load up on carbs and electrolytes three hours before this race. Uh, right before stepping off for this, this race, I'm going to have one goo. And what's really cool this year, I'm really excited about this, the Austin Marathon, they will always partner with companies that supply nutrition on the course. In the past two years, the, the gels they were using were the Cliff Bar blocks. And my, my stomach just didn't like these very much. Didn't feel well. I had to go to the bathroom from these. So last year on the course, I carried goos in my pockets the entire way. Well, this year, they're handing out goos on the course, which is awesome. So I'm not going to have to carry anything with me. So every 30 minutes, I'm going to grab a goo on the course, the water stations. Um, and, you know, say, for example, this question might pop up. Well, what if there's not a, an, uh, a water station at your 30-minute mark? Well, I'm going to grab a goo at the first, wa- the first water point and hold on to it until I hit five miles and then, then consume it. And then after that, grab another goo at the next water point and hold it in my right hand. It weighs like nothing. And consume it at mile 10 and 15 and 20. Um, and then they're handing out none electrolyte drinks on the course. So I'll drink that as I need electrolytes and water. But that's that's all my nutrition plan is. And so I have my my preload 90 or uh, three hours before. And then the goo right before. And then every 30 minutes, I think I said mile 5, 10, 15 20 earlier. It was every, not every five miles. It was every 30 minutes. That was actually a plan that I was, I built previously. I was going to do every five miles on the course, change that to every 30 minutes on the course. I'm going to have a goo, um, to fuel me for those next 30 minutes. And that is my plan for the marathon with the intent of qualifying for Boston sub three hours. And I'm very confident in this plan. Uh, I've tried it before. That's what I've been using on my my long runs on Sundays throughout train up so far. And it's worked and I feel good. So these are all systems and protocols that I've tried and I found worked for me. So, hey, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Let's take that into race day and let's kill this race. So we're 11 days out. It's wild. This prep went so fast, so fast. It's crazy. Now, some of the things I wanted to talk about, one thing in particular that I wanted to talk about is it's something that I've experimented with, or not experimented, but experienced throughout this train up. You know, with, with intensity being really high, and I'd say intensity's higher now than it was during Ironman. Ironman was a lot of zone two, mostly zone two work. And my my program for that was with the intention of finishing with as good of a time as possible for my first triathlon not just my first ironman the intent of of this marathon was well I got to get really fast and I have a certain time hack to hit that being sub 3 hours so the train up was a little different for this one it was more intense uh, it was, you know, like I'll, I'll go back to some, 
some previous weeks real quick. I have my training program pulled up. Let's look at the beginning of February. Um, Monday, off day. Tuesday, 50-minute threshold run. So that workout was two times 10 minutes at tempo pace, which was 625 to 635-minute-per-miles with two minutes of rest after each. And then it was two times five minutes at tempo pace, being the same 625 to 635-minute-per-mile pace, one-minute rest after each of those, and a five-minute cool-down jog. So that was my... Um, that was my threshold run on a Tuesday. Wednesday of that week was an eight mile easy run. Thursday was a Yasso workout. So eight times 800 meter repeats in three minutes and five seconds each. Friday was an eight mile easy run. Saturday was a one hour progression run. And then Sunday was an 18 mile long run. And that was, uh, that's, that's in a week. And that's six workouts, or that's one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, it's six workouts in a week. Um, so obviously intensity was high, impact was high. I was training really hard. And as that increased, this one thing that I found is I would wake up in the morning in my bed drenched in sweat, which has never happened to me in my life before. Never, ever, ever. Uh, I've never experimented with this or experienced this. I'd wake up, it was almost like I got into a pool and then got into bed, I was that soaked wet. Like even Steph, she'd wake up and she'd have to wash the sheets because like my pillow was wet. My my entire body would soak through this, these sheets. It was crazy. And this would happen after long workouts that were in the evening. So I would run at night after work. And at first I didn't put two and two together. I didn't put running and sweating together. I thought maybe I just like was getting sick at the, at the time. And then it kept happening after these long runs in the evening. And I started putting two and two together. Okay, well, I'm drenched in sweat in the morning after intense like threshold runs in the evening. So I did some research and I found this happened actually a lot in advanced running programs on a lot of uh, elite running forums where people were experiencing this. Uh, and a lot of people contributed it to your metabolism just ramping up after late night workouts and your body just going through these changes as, as in intensity of training increases. But that is one thing that I noticed and experiment or experienced, can't get that word right today, experienced throughout this prep. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, and I wanted to share that because it's never happened to me before. And one of the things that Jordan, our videographer actually has been noticing the past, he keeps saying this the past month, this last month of training is like, man, you got, it's, it's like you got so much faster, uh, overnight almost where all this training started, you know, building up and my coach programmed it a certain way to do this. But when I started going through these longer runs and these, these threshold workouts and tempo runs, I was noticeably getting faster at a lower heart rate and more comfortable at a faster pace. I mean, the program worked. I got a lot faster where previously I would go out and do eight miles before this prep and eight miles, I would probably run like a, say a seven, between a 730, 740 minute per mile pace. And that same run last night, 659 minute per mile pace 
at a lower heart rate more comfortably. So there have been these massive drastic improvements to my running ability uh, throughout this prep. And that's, you know, going back to the beginning of this podcast, I've learned so much through this process in regards to heart rate training, long runs, um, but more importantly, I've learned a lot about interval training, threshold workouts, gassos, uh, tempo runs, the importance of focusing on VO2 max and improving your speed, not just building an aerobic base. And um, yeah, I made a video about this, and I think it reached a lot of people. I've got a lot of DMs about it in regards to, but one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're trying to get into endurance training, and I've talked about this before, is they don't build that aerobic base. They don't focus on zone two training enough where you build the aerobic base first and then that's your foundation. And you can build off of that with your tempo workouts, your intervals, focus on speed after you build the aerobic base. And that's kind of you know, where we're sitting right now and the things that I've been, been thinking about throughout this entire prep, which has gone so fast. But, um, you know, in, in the, the taper right now, less than two weeks leading into the Austin Marathon and attempt to qualify for the Boston. And it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a crazy day. I'm actually really excited because that weekend, you know, we called it the Run One More Challenge when we first decided the whole team here, the whole Bear Performance Nutrition team is running the Austin Marathon whether they're doing the 5K, the half, the full. And we opened it up to you know, all of you guys months ago, and we called it the Run One More Challenge because the intent was, hey, if you've never run a 5K before, sign up for a 5K. If you've never run a half marathon before, sign up for a half marathon. If you've never run a full marathon before, run the full marathon. Push yourself to something you've never done before that you're going to have to train for. That's going to be hard. Uh, but the intent is, hey, go one more. Run one more than you thought you could. And we had like 500 plus people sign up under the Bear Performance Nutrition team that are going to be in Austin the weekend of you know, February 16th. So the day before the marathon, the 15th, which is a Saturday, for three hours, we're holding an event at the headquarters here at our warehouse where we'll just do a small meet and greet. I'm trying to stay off my feet a little bit, but small meet and greet, um, talk race day strategy with nutrition and electrolytes and pacing. And uh, just for people who have never done a race like this before, give some tips for a successful race day. And then um, we're going to do a one-mile uh, warm-up run around the warehouse. We have an 800-meter lap here that we do. We'll do that twice and then cut everyone free and then meet up Sunday for, for the race itself. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of you guys and and running with you and, and seeing people just push themselves. Which was cool was, you know, a lot of people signed up for this, this 5K or half marathon or full marathon that it's always been a bucket list, but they were never pushed to do it. And many people signed up for this event, the Run One More Challenge, as an opportunity to knock that bucket list item off to push themselves to accomplish this mission. And that's what's really cool. It's really cool to see that come together. So we'll see you guys soon. As always, if you have enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps our reach 
our exposure and uh, help us share our message of the whole go one more mindset. It's powerful. So I'll see you guys in the next episode.